The following aviation podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast by thepilotreport.com about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode number 40, part two of our interview with Flying Wild Alaska John Ponce, coming up now on this edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast. The Stuck Mike Avcast is a listener-supported aviation podcast. For more information about how you can help, please visit stuckmikeavcast.com forward slash support. Now, here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Rick Felty, Carl Valeri, and Len Costa. In episode 39, we were chatting with Flying Wild Alaska pilot John Ponce. We now bring you part two of that interview as we talk more about in-flight icing, situational awareness, C-130s on floats, and more, including your very listener questions answered by John right here on the show. So we hope you enjoy. John, I was curious, as... You know, as as you got to Alaska, you started flying. What's um what was maybe one of your scariest moments as a pilot in Alaska so far? Scariest moments. Um, I think most of most of the scary moments is when I relinquish controls to to my FOs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean there's plenty of there's plenty of. Uh, well, I mean it, I, I wouldn't say scary. I would like to say more adrenaline rushes. Sure. Okay, that's better. That's better put. And I can understand what you mean by that. Tell us. Tell us one time that was like you know you really, you're you know for me it's depending on what the weather conditions are, what's going on. My heart's racing. We're coming down the approach, and under this, that, and the other condition, I got wind shear, I got icing, I got mountains. You know whatever's going on. You know, tell us about that experience. You know, I think icing is probably the, the worst for me. I. I for some reason, I just, I don't like that very much. And, um, we don't get it all that much. I mean, it's, it's so cold up here that ice doesn't really happen all that much. And we will get a couple months a, a year where we will get icing, but for the most part, there's, there's usually an out. And that's part of the, the whole thing about doing what we do As you guys know that if you don't have an out, you've done something wrong. So yeah. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think that's my biggest thing adapting to first officer to captain is just thinking more about the out, really. Yeah. 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 And we get, you know, we go through a lot of people up here and some people make it and some people don't. And that's like, I think one of the biggest things when I'm evaluating my co-pilots is to see if they can think like that. And some people do, and some people have to be told what to do all the time. And, and the guys that are, making the decisions 20 minutes in advance is they're going to survive and do just fine. Mm-hmm. Well, that brings actually an interesting impromptu question. I mean, do you have you a sort of a high washout, a high turnover rate with your pilots there just because of, you know, the Alaskan tundra is, it's no joke. I'll tell you what, in the summertime, it's fine. In the wintertime, it's no joke. Yeah, both of them. I mean, it's wintertime, you've got, 
something to land on, frozen lakes, well, snow. True. But then if you if you do go down, you don't have a lot of time before you need to get rescued. And mm -hmm. Summertime, although you can survive outside, you, there's not a whole lot of places to land because the tundra is so harsh and unforgiving. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's we do have a lot of turnover. I, I, I think um, there's two of us left out of my ground school that was 20 guys. And, and it seems like a third of the people who come through a ground school will, will stay. And then a third of those people will stay to, to upgrade and move on and stay with the company for several years. So we have probably four or five ground schools every spring bringing new co-pilots and 207 pilots in to replace all the people that either have washed out or have quit or for whatever reason just aren't with us anymore. Did you say five? Four or five four ground or five. schools. Wow, that's... Yeah. That, uh, <clears throat> that's a seems bigger like... operation than the TV show made it look like. It oh, for like sure. a very small, you know, company. Yeah, well, we have 120 pilots for Hagland. Okay, that's big. <laughs> yeah, and then for ERA, there's, I think, 50 or 60 pilots. Mm -hmm. and, wow. and then for Frontier, there's, well, I think there's only two now. But, yeah, there's, there's quite a few of us. Yeah, because the show actually focused more on Uniclete and a little bit around the Tweedle's life and, and, and the aviation aspect of it. But that was just, like Victoria said, actually just really a small percentage of the entire operation, in fact. I mean, when we would see, we'd see you guys out in the 207, the caravan, um, Jim out in the Cessna, but, you know, there's still the dashes arriving with passenger service and the other turboprops are arriving with passenger service. And there's things that we didn't necessarily see to the side of the operation that, that actually, you know, at, you know, truly existed for the whole company of what I guess you said was really four certificates there, um, right. which was interesting to me. So I was curious personally, and uh, this is part of my question and part of a listener question and it's the reality of it is you've, um, and it's kind of funny because you touched upon this actually when we talked about the cameras in your face because you had that, which is interesting, you had that during the, the skateboarding, uh, the professional skateboarding side of your career. And then you got sort of thrust back into the limelight here in Flying Wild Alaska. And I was curious, how has the show changed your life in any way from maybe an aviation perspective? Has it even brought some of your, you know, your skateboard followers into aviation uh you know how has that changed and what sort of personal um you know eh, let me see here what am i looking for what um what sort of opportunities has the show provided you personally well the i i don't think it's changed my life i mean i get recognized here and there but one thing that i i really like is like you said opportunities things like aopa summit and uh, Sun and Fun, or not Sun and Fun, um, Oshkosh. Going yeah. to Oshkosh yeah. and, and just, and Luke and I, Luke Hickerson and I went to Atlanta to speak at the National Air Traffic Controllers Convention. Mm -hmm. So things like that to where we can become ambassadors for kids and for the adventure part of aviation, I'm, I'm all about it. I love it. But um, as far as the fame thing and, and the money thing, I, I, I could care less about that. But 
to help get more people into aviation, because as all of you probably know, I'm sure Landon and Carl know the best that the the amount of pilots that are coming in and the amount going out aren't equaling each other. Mm-mm. So it's going to be good for all of us who are are going to be have careers for the next 20, 30 years, but who's going to replace us? So if, if, you know, Luke and I, and some of these others, Sarah and Ariel can go out and try to recruit more people to get into it and become pilots. That's, we're all excited about that. Yeah. We had, uh, like Victoria mentioned when Sarah came out to her women in aviation event in March, Carl and I were there. We had an opportunity to visit with her and uh, it was just great to see the passionate aviators, uh, you know, Carl, myself, my other co-hosts, Sarah, um, you know, it's just great to really mingle with passionate aviators. They can share with friends, family, strangers, even the, the fun and the reality of what, uh, you know, what flying can mean for you, even just as a hobby. Um, you know, when I was curious, the, sh- you know, the show's over. There were three seasons. The show's over. Sort of, what have, you know, what have you, you've been, you've still been flying, but what's anything different? What, you know, what now since the show's over? What now for John Pons? What's been going on lately? Uh, just, just still flying, doing our thing up there. Um, I'm not the producer. He's been talking about trying to do other things, but, um, as far as trying to stay in Hollywood, I, I mean, I've moved up here to kind of get away from that. And, you know, I mentioned earlier, I bought a house. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask you about that. Because actually, when we've talked a few times on the phone, you've been, you've been involved in quite a few home renovation projects. Yeah, it's crazy. I bought this old dog cabin from 1932, and, and it's on five acres. And so, um, you know, we made a joke about not wanting to continue my family's business. But here, my girlfriend and I are are looking at we have two chicken coops and we're going to get some sheep because i got a sheep dog and so and we got a big area for a garden so i'm, I'm here i am getting back into the farming thing so it's <laughs> almost a full circle now <laughs> uh speaking of girlfriends i understand like you said you have a girlfriend now is she an alaskan native uh, she's not eskimo but she is native to alaska okay yeah so if, uh, if everybody was hoping I was going to say Ariel, sorry. <laughs> does she fly? She does not, no. Oh, is she gonna? No, she's not really interested in it. Hmm. That's okay with me, though. Oh, we'll see yeah, how it's long cool. it works out. No. Gives you, <laughs> well, it kidding. gives you someplace else to be when you're not, you know, when you're not flying. You don't have to be flying. Yeah, when I come home, we don't have to talk about Class Bravo airspace. Right, exactly. In the special VFR. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Those are some good points. I was curious, besides skateboarding, we know you like to skateboard. We know you like to fly. What other hobbies does John Ponds have? Well, you, you moved to Alaska. You into hunting, fishing. What other things have you, you know, what, what, are your, what are your hobbies? Yeah, that was one of the things I grew up doing was hunting in the mountains. And so that was another big perk for me. So um, last, last week, earlier last week, I had a, a friend of mine lent me his 172 so that I could fly it down to this island and land on the beach and try and go kill a deer and bring them back for dinner that that night but uh got skunked that was a, was the last day of season and so but that I mean that's the kind of thing 
friend of mine just says, yeah, go ahead, take the airplane and go land on a beach. I've never, never landed that time. I've never even flown his airplane before and let alone landing it on a beach. That was, that was pretty cool. Isn't that the, what that guy in New Jersey tried to do? Saw it on the Watch TV show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if he tried or, or what exactly that circumstance Well, he tried to get away was. with it, right? right? Yeah, that's better. That's exactly more yeah. better put. Try to get right. away with it. <laughs> well, he did it because he saw it on Flying Wild Alaska. Monkey see, monkey do. Yeah. <laughs> that's so smart. <laughs> well, that kind of stuff happens. Uh, Rick, you've got a question about the show, actually. Yeah, no, just um, <laughs> this is just for people that watched it. Um, and as we talked about the narrative of the show, the as you started training um, Ariel, uh, or in the show anyway, um, how <laughs> and she had you know the way the show depicted it was it was a fairly challenging student. Um, how how much reality was that, or how or or how or how not? You know, was it how was she better than that, or was that pretty accurate uh, or overly dramatized? No, what she saw is what you got, pretty much. Because um, I know I mean, she's flying, she's like you know had a bigger role to play on the on the show in terms of I, I assume right was was a little more behind the scenes um, involved in show production. No. Or was uh, yeah, that... yeah, she she was pretty involved with it you know, as far as developing stories. So I just stuff. mean you know a person on the ball doing a lot of stuff, and all of a sudden there's there's somebody kind of you know having a goofy time, learn you know trying to learn. It, it almost seemed like it might not be quite, you know, that, that that was a bit more put on some of the early moments of, uh, harrowing near stalls, low to the ground kind of stuff you guys had. Yeah. And I did a lot of that stuff to kind of teach a lesson too, because when, when you're in her, in her shoes, uh, trying to develop stories and, and produce a show and being yeah. back in your hometown, also, also being a full-time student, but wanting to f- film big, coming a pilot and learning how to fly as you all know uh learning to fly isn't something you take for granted you have to know everything associated with it which is the rules the weather the airspace and all that you can't just get we can get in an airplane and just feel it and fly it but our job as instructors is to also teach them the other side of it that's not that much fun and so i think some of the times that she was being flustered with um trying to figure that stuff out too. And, and, uh, you know, as a CFI, I didn't want to just throw her out there without knowing all that other stuff. No, it's good. I mean, it's all, no, it's life. Yeah, no, no. And I'm not, it's not, it's certainly not at all a criticism of how it went down. It was more like trying to, you know, slice between reality and, and, uh, and TV because it looked much, it looked very much like a CFI letting somebody find their way, you know, within safety bounds, you know, you get to try yeah, this yeah. and no, I think you, you did an excellent job. She, she had plenty of room to learn from all that stuff. And I, and it, I think it was early, very er, good early grounding as she went on. So I just wanted to, I you actually, know, find out. Primacy, so, right? Primacy. Yeah. Yeah. I found her very relatable actually, because becoming a pilot was not an easy road for me. And there was one episode where she got really frustrated and actually started to tear up a bit because she just, just wasn't getting it. And I've had those days where it's like, you know what? It's not happening today. Just got to land. And I loved the fact that there was someone learning to fly on the show. It wasn't just all these people who knew what they were doing and doing these crazy landings. There was someone actually getting used to what it's like to become a pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's, she's a smart girl and, and mm-hmm. she, she had the flying skills. 
but sometimes some people their personalities you need to you need to twist them a little bit and, and put them in their place sometimes just so that they realize that hey this isn't a joke this is right. a real thing and and I could kill myself and I could kill my family if right. I'm not careful and you're flying the plane and you know you take control right i mean i know a number of people who cfis have told me they've had to say that you know get that idea into people you know you can't just yeah. you're not just here for a ride you know make decisions stay ahead of the plane all that yeah absolutely you know you're, when you're teaching people there's one thing that's kind of interesting about alaska it gets pretty darn cold and you know you said something before about it being too cold for for ice or whatever what do you, you know, what recommendations do you usually give your new students, especially, you know, as far as it being really, really cold when you don't have to worry? Is there like a temperature you tell them, hey, if it gets below X, you know, number, like negative 40, you don't have to quite worry so much? Is uh, that something I didn't really see on the show as far as flying in the ice and that type of stuff? That's a good question. I you think, know, yeah, the, I guess when you really have to worry about it is when it's near the freezing point. But when it's, when we have a lot of temperature inversions, we'll get negative 30 on the ground and go up a thousand feet and it's 20 above. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's mainly in the fall and the spring when it's near freezing temps or when you get a big low, it's, you just kind of have to know the weather and be able to read it. Um, Cause it, it's not, it's, it's never the same up here. You can't like on the West coast of California, you could see the high cirrus coming in and you know exactly what's going to happen. It always came from the West. The weather and low would come through and it'd leave. But up here, it's sort of different. You wake up with clear skies and by the evening, you've got quarter mile and a raging blizzard. And then it's gone in an hour. So it's always, it's always changing. You just have to know what kind of pressure systems and so I guess there's no definite answer for you, Carl. Sorry. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because it's certain – I know at the airlines, they give you a certain number. It's usually like negative 40 or so that you don't really have to worry because of all the crystallization. But, but you know, I can see, you know, what you're saying is going up and down through these layers. Gosh, you really could take on some ice, and that's kind of scary. Like, does it, that's a pretty big inversion you talked about. That's amazing. Uh, you could get – gosh, you could really yeah, uh, load up the airplane. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, hey, a quick question about the show. Uh, I hope this isn't a spoiler. Maybe it should be a spoiler alert. Uh, I know, what, first of all, one of the cool things that you guys do, and, and this is something that I, I really loved about the show, is like when you guys went to a village or, or say, you know, I used to be into the seafood business. I love that one show where you guys went over to this island. Again, I think it's St. Lawrence, and, and I'm pretty sure that's how it went, where they delivered something to the island, some kind of fuel or something like that. And uh, that I thought was really cool because – these people really need this stuff. It's you are doing something that's so darn important. You know, we, we kind of discredit sometimes aviation. I think in the in the lower forty eight, and that oh, you know, we're just bringing people back and forth. We're not doing something that important. Well, what well, we are, you know, and and we're bringing people, passengers, uh, goods that are very important. They have to be there. But but you're doing this thing this on a daily basis. You know, like in that episode when they went out there, and and one of the things that I was kind of interested in is. You know where the part where they they talk about oh it seemed they made it seem like it was really scary that you might bump into Russian airspace with this load and stuff like that. I mean was that was that real or is that kind of dramatized? You know as far as having to worry about bumping into their airspace and stuff like that. I think what you're talking about is when they brought the bombs out to St. Lawrence Island. 
to the whale. Is that right? Oh, oh yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, the touch of Rus- Russian airspace. Yeah, they did have to skirt around it. Uh, that flight crew. I remember that one. That captain. He he liked to uh, ham it up a little bit for the cameras. So. <laughs> It might have been a little over-dramatizing on his part, but um, as far as the whole flight was concerned, I think most of it was pretty real. Yeah, yeah, because I, you know, I he had you guys have Garmin and stuff like that. You can actually see where the airspace is, but you know, yeah, like, ooh, you know, but they they kind of drummed that up. I was like, oh wow, you know, oh my gosh, this sounds kind of scary. But I'm thinking, they're like, wait a minute, you know, I, my Garmin, I know where all the airspace is, and you know, it's, it's not that big of a deal. But it, but you know, I guess I understand. You know, they have to dramatize everything, that type of thing. But I, the one part I thought was cool is the fact that they actually got the stuff there, and and they were able to get it there for the for I guess it was for a festival or something like that, or they're they're fishing for that year, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. it's for the whaling, but. I think that part of it was the Hollywood paintbrush that you talked right. about. Right, right, right. I kind of figured that. But that was, I just think, but the, that point, though, that's so cool that they able to, you know, bring things out to people all the time. I mean, you're not going to get, you're not going to get anything else unless you get it from, you know, by air, especially. And there's a place on the East Coast that's somewhat similar, and that's up in Maine. They have a couple places out there where, you know, it's not getting there unless unless it's through an airplane. Uh, and uh, or it's going to be you know a week or two by by uh, some kind of horse or something like that. But uh, amazing stuff, really neat stuff. Well, you stuff. guys fly mail, don't you? you, you yeah. Oh, besides yeah. the bags, you have mail on your mm-hmm. flights, don't you? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and and we we have uh, you know you know different parts, body parts, that kind of thing. We have uh, you know the uh, we have deliveries of even eyeballs, that type of stuff. But yeah, oh yeah, that's that's really important. Uh, but wow. it's not a daily uh, event, though. You know, it's not, uh, or it's not as often, I should say, as say up there. You know, if, if you don't get something to somebody, they're going to be without a. You know, I've I've lived on an island before, and and you know, if we didn't get the shipment in, we may not get eggs. You know, for a week, yeah. and that's that's how important transportation, especially air transportation, comes to people that are in these remote areas. And, uh, it, it, in, you know, flying wild Alaska kind of personified that and made you realize, hey, you know, I can just go run to the grocery store and, and get whatever I want because some truck can drop it off tomorrow. And uh, we're so used to overnighting things. <laughs> you know? but, oh, yeah. Uh, an overnight, an overnight into the village is about a week. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Learn to have patience up there. <laughs> cool. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks. That's kind of clears a few things up. Yeah. I had I would, uh, oh go ahead, John. I was just gonna say I, I I would I'm gonna say it's it's safe to assume that if there's anything you have a now is that dramatic over dramatized it probably is a Hollywood paintbrush. Right. Yeah. I, I mean yeah, and that stuff happens. That's why, you know, from Rick's perspective and I can appreciate the same thing, you know, when you when you're involved in in media production in some way, shape, or form, you wonder not just the storyline, but you wonder the logistics of it. You know, how is this actually happening behind the scenes? And I agree with you, Rick, that a lot of that stuff fascinates me. And sometimes I'm more engrossed in not even just the storyline, but how do they actually do that? I'd rather, you know, I'd rather learn how, what's the behind the scenes going on. Um, John, I found something interesting out. I'm not sure if you want to talk about it, but I'm going to ask it. Uh, I found something interesting when I was doing some research, it looks like you may have even started your own company. I saw something regarding Bush Logistics. Uh, I don't know if you're in a position to comment on that. Uh, I might have to just talk about that with you on the side. Okay, not a problem. We'll talk about that after. So at this point, um, I understand the co-host. Oh, wait a minute. 
Carl, oh, Carl has a listener question. Uh, well, Carl, was, I was just going to lead into the listener questions, and we've got a few of those. Let's start with Carl's, and um, go ahead, Carl. And actually, this this one comes from, this is a live question uh, from Dan. Thanks, Dan, for the question here. It's uh, he, he wants to know, uh, John, if, you know, when you're you're dealing with icy runways, crosswinds, contamination, that type of thing, and uh, and also you're dealing with your judgment. Now, we know about legal, how to be legal when we're flying. We know how to be safe. And Dan's question is, uh, you know, dealing with these on a regular basis, are, do you make decisions that, uh, that you decide that it's illegal to do it and unsafe, and do you go ahead and do it, or excuse me, it's illegal, but it's safe, and we go ahead and do it. And on the flip side, it's legal to land in a certain situation. Then you say to yourself, it's unsafe. Have you had to make those type of decisions when you're flying in Alaska? And I'll, I'll let you ask the, answer the question, you know, what type of decisions have you had to make if it's legal or safe? And, uh, and if it is safe, you know, what do you do then, you know, if it's, it's quote-unquote illegal? Well, yeah, both, those, both of those scenarios come into play almost every day. Um, I mean, first of all, if it's not legal, there's, that's, it's gone. It's out the window. You're not, we're not going. Right. Se- second, if it's, if, I guess the safety of it is if it's going to exceed the individual pilot's limitations. So if I feel like an operation's outside of my limits, then it's unsafe and I'm not going to do it. So, and I have had to make those, make those decisions while flying um, on an approach in the air, turned around. So it's just, that's part of being trained to be a captain, I guess, is, is and being the PIC is knowing when you need to make that decision and knowing your limits. Right. And that makes sense. And I, I'm glad you said that. I mean, if it's not legal, there, it's a reason that's not legal. You don't, you don't go ahead and do it. But, uh, but there are a lot of times when, hey, it's, it's legal, but it's really not that safe. So it's a good right. point. And thanks for the question uh, from our listener, Dan. Yeah, the FARs are written in blood, aren't they? Yes, yes, I agree. That's right. They're written in blood and aircraft are designed by accident. That was a fun <laughs> quote that I heard earlier this year, but it's 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 definitely true. Um, and I've got, uh, I have, I think, what is the balance of the listener questions unless Victoria or Rick has anything that hasn't been forwarded to me. Um, sorry, Charles, if I mess up your last name, but I think it's Charles Reich or Reich. I think it's Reich. Uh, he asked this question. This this kind of was what prompted me to doing some more research about some of the nuances in flying in Alaska. And this one in particular, John, I actually couldn't find an answer to. And I don't know uh, if you can touch upon it. But Charles asked, are there different rules for VFR weather, VFR flying in Alaska than the lower 48? I don't know if the rules differ. I mean, there are Alaska statutes in the regs that allow us to do a little bit more. But as far as like picking up special VFR clearances and um, uh, visibility and cloud requirements, that's all the same as far as I know. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I, I actually sat down in the regs and I searched as searched for about an hour and a half. I couldn't find anything more specific than the few... Uh, the two Alaska statutes and that FAR I mentioned earlier. So I, I myself, I, I mean, I had heard this and I had sort of heard it as a uh, rumor, if you will, from third party, but I couldn't confirm it myself. But, um, you know, that was my thought. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe John has an answer, but 
That was from Charles. Uh, next question was uh, from Thompson Meeks. He's curious, how did your professional skateboarding career help you in your flying? I think, I, I don't know if it helped me all that much. Um, one of the biggest things is, is always staying ahead of the airplane. It's all you guys know and making decisions that, that are, are well in advance. And, and I think when I was, the best way I can relate that is when I was skateboarding and um, let's say I'm going for a handrail that's going down 10 stairs. I'm already thinking about the landing before I even started, before I've jumped up on the rail. So I've already, I guess, that mentality of, of knowing where you're at at all times and knowing where you're going to be and plus knowing what's around you. Like if, if the rail ends up at the, on a sidewalk, which there's a, a busy street with cars going up and down, knowing where all those cars are while you're on the rail sliding down it is kind of peripheral vision that you need when you're flying, I guess, and, and just the anticipation of knowing what's next and what's ahead of you. Okay, so you're not just ahead of the airplane, but ahead of the skateboard. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that that, does that make any sense? No, actually, it does. And and it, when you when you said it, it sounds like you had maybe so, a, a similar epiphany there that you know you're thinking in the same relativity as you are in the airplane, ahead of what's next, what's my expectation? Yeah, yeah. Situational awareness, right? Tr yeah. Situational awareness, perfect. Yeah, thanks for uh, yeah no throwing problem. that one in there. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I, I'm just sitting here listening, so I have time to think. <laughs> <laughs> Score with Rick. There we go. Um, cool. So that was uh, the next question comes from JD. He's the one I, I sort of was uh, alluding to a little bit earlier. He was curious about what it was like. Uh, it's uh, I've got a couple of a couple of sentences here, but what was it like pursuing two dream jobs in your lifetime? You went from pro skateboarder to pro pilot, uh, two professions that people often dream of becoming involved in. And he says that he's in close age, you know, um, he's relatively close age as you are, and he's at a crossroads in his career. And he's wondering, um, you know, how, what it was like, because he says he, what he, his favorite line is, you know, he really loves your just do it attitude. And I can tell that through our conversation tonight that there is a lot of that inside of you that, you know, that just do it. I mean, you bought a one-way ticket, you went to Alaska, you shut up, you knocked on the door and you said, I'm John Ponce, I'm here to work. Let's do this. So tell us what it was like pursuing not just one dream job, but two dream jobs in your lifetime. See, I, I thought that was the norm. I thought that's what we were, we were wired to do. We, um, you know, we are, but not a lot of people, I think either get there or make time for it or sometimes you get into one career and you get so engrossed and then you end up with a uh, girlfriend, wife, mortgage, dog and kid and then there's a lot more to sort of uh, not hold you back but there's a lot more at stake when you try and make a transition. So you've yeah. kind of had that opportunity that some people haven't, uh, you know, given your young age. Yeah, I guess you're right on that. Um, I, I think... I guess my goal, because I, I, I guess I didn't really see it as pursuing dream jobs, but I think my goal has always been to have a lot of stories when I'm old. I, I've had some older people in my life, and you meet with them at, at holiday dinners and stuff as a kid, and, and every year you hear the same story. 
and I never wanted to be that old man. So <laughs> I figured if I can make as many stories, then I win at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess that's just the way I've looked at it. And yeah, just trying to create stories so I don't have, so I don't bore the kids at Christmas time, I guess. <laughs> that's great. Let's put that on a shirt. <laughs> I do foolish stuff for the kids at Christmas. Time. It's all about the kids. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's cool. I, you know, you sound like a guy who's just, you know, living for the adventure, sort of living in the moment. And I can kind of relate to that. You're just taking what opportunity comes ahead and just running with it. Uh, it's that's pretty cool. Mike actually had a question, and uh, this is one that I uh, sort of asked you off the air, but he's not the only one. In fact, I sort of was curious about this too, and you sort of alluded to it earlier. But did uh, oh, I'm sorry, this is not the one you alluded to earlier. Did this was going back to Ariel's uh, flight training? Did she really get? We talked about some of that dramatization, but did she really get lost on that first cross country flight? You know, I didn't, I didn't even see that episode and, and I wasn't around there. So I, I can't answer. I, I don't know. Okay. Fair enough. Um, the next, oh, here's the one I was referencing from Zach and, and the one I was kind of curious about just, uh, you know, Ariel's, she's a, she's a very attractive young woman. She's got an amazing personality and folks wanted to know if there had ever been any romantic connection with you and her. And, you know, between, between men in airplanes with a pretty woman and you're spending a lot of time in close proximity with somebody, you know, you're, ba- you're bound to have some feelings of attraction of some sort. But, you know, did you guys ever have any sort of relationship other than the professional one on the show and, uh, the, you know, with a student? Well, you know, we did sign these uh, <laughs> non-disclosure documents. So I, my answer to that is you're going to have to wait till season four. Ah, ah. very nice. <laughs> Okay. Potential there, oh, season four. I, See, I wasn't even sure it was season Yeah, four. I wish there I wish there was. <laughs> I get it. I get it. That's my way of getting out of that one. Yeah, well, good. you know, it's funny because after we talked, I actually reached out to Ariel this afternoon and I said, Hey Ariel, we're we're interviewing your CFI John Pons today. What do you, you have anything to share about him? And her answer was um that you were a great CFI. So she definitely holds you in high regard in that respect. Uh, I mean, in one interview, she was asked a similar question where she's like, hell no, we're just, you know, we're just like brother and sister. But, uh, you know, she definitely has some respect for you um, for sure as, uh, as, as her flight instructor. Uh, Zach had a bunch of questions, and then I've got uh, a couple of questions from Brendan as well, and that will kind of wrap up the show. Uh, Zach, as the second question was, uh, oh, actually, we answered that. Where are you now? The show's over. Um, what are your long-term goals? You know, you you talked about FedEx. I mean, is that something? I mean, that's ultimately within the next, uh, uh, you know, next few years. That's what you'd like to do is, is cargo. Yeah, I think that's a a pretty good end game. Yeah. For me. You know, Lynn. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Linden Air Cargo. They fly C-130s around the world. That looks like an adventure as well. So really? That's something I'm looking at. I, Have you seen the C-130s on floats? No way. Yeah, where's yes. this? It, ah, shoot, Connecticut, I think. Really? C-130s yes. on floats? That sounds so that amazing. That seems like something. If you want to do the C-130, since you got all that Alaska <laughs> experience, do oh, yeah. on floats. Wow. They but, go to the North Pole. Wow. Yeah, there's a, 
I mean, there's so family. many different facets of aviation that you can get into and so many different airframes. It's, I, it's hard having a job doing this one thing because you want to do them all, you know? Yeah, that's true. There's uh, a couple of uh, friends of mine doing some really cool stuff. They're doing some contract flying actually in Afghanistan and other parts of the country. And I mean, unlike, you know, you work two weeks on, two weeks off, they work about two months on and then two months off and they get rewarded, you know, handsomely financially. But there's so, I've got friends doing all kinds of weird things in aviation. There's just so much excitement out there. And I could see myself, uh, you know, in the future, leaving an airline position to do some more of what I would refer to, quote unquote, as that adventure flying, like what you're doing. I mean, you work for an airline, but you're also part of an airline that's in, you know, when it's in the Alaskan wilderness, that's, there's more adventure flying than there is necessarily airline flying from point A to point B with passengers under what generally from day to day are more than ideal weather conditions. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, actually, it turns out, I guess I finished all of Zach's questions. So we've got about three questions left from Brendan. Brendan's over at crazedpilot.com. Brendan's a cool cat. He has, uh, he's an aircraft owner. He flies an airplane out of his backyard at a grass strip. Um, a kit fox, if I recall correctly, actually. And he had three questions for you, which will wrap up the show. The first question is, do you, uh, aside from flying with Ariel and doing some of her flight instruction, do you still currently today, as we're recording this show, uh, enjoy or get to use uh, your CFI certificate? I don't think I've used it in a while. I mean, it's current and and it's available, but um, I and I do enjoy using it. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's kind of nice having it because, you know, up here, everybody's got an airplane. I, I just met a guy the other night that bought a 180 and he's never even flown an airplane and he has one, mm-hmm. but needs CFI. So, I mean, that's a perfect opportunity for me to go fly with this guy in, in exchange for flight time. Mm-hmm. And, and it's nice to have it now with a job. That way I can teach people and, and not have to worry about charging them because if I can get away with flying with somebody and not charging them, I'm going to do that. I don't, I don't want to, I mean, it's so expensive to learn how to fly. I might, I might as well give back, I think. Right. And that's my way of giving back. Mm -hmm. I had an old, it's funny you mentioned that I had a, he's old, uh, and a older gentleman and an older flight student of mine, one from years ago, we did a worked on his instrument certificate together. He became an aircraft owner, and then when I was at the airline, it was a similar thing. I didn't flight instruct with him for money, but we would go out once a week and just shoot instrument approaches, and you know, just stay current and go out as two old friends uh, going on you know a flight and a lunch. And I, I respect that you want to give back in that way. That's uh, you know that's that's really great. Uh, Brent, another question from Brendan is: You take controlled risk flying commercially in the environment that you are in up there in Alaska. But where do you draw the line when flying for personal fun? In other words, is dragging your tires in the water too much risk in your eyes? Or is landing on a steep ridge line too much risk? Well, again, it's, it's back to the personal limitation thing. It's, I didn't think, I, I had been to that beach before, but I didn't consider it a huge risk. I mean, the, the airplane I was flying had small tires, but I knew that the beach was hard packed and um, and it's insured and I'm going slow enough as you're landing. So I think if, 
if, if it is too big of a risk, I'm going to know it and I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And, I'll, and I'll go with somebody who has the experience to do it. That way I can build my confidence. But it, it's all, it's all in, in your own head. It's all your own personal limitations. And, and there is no right or wrong answer to that. It's just something you have to know. Okay. Uh, it turns out this last question uh, of Brendan's that uh, we actually talked about earlier with some of the personal opportunities uh, from the show. So other than that, if my co-hosts don't have any additional questions for you, John, uh, Rick, Victoria, Carl, anybody got any last uh, questions for Mr. Ponce before we close out today? I'm, yeah, I'm when good. are we coming up for a beer? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, when are you guys coming up for a game? Jeez, I don't know. We uh, let's see. We're supposed to. We're supposed to be in Frederick in Mar or March. We're supposed to be at Sun and Fun in uh, April. Jeez, we got so many things. Oh, we're going to Dubai, I guess. Too. I didn't hear. Dubai, about. yeah. <laughs> wow. Maybe I should just go where you guys are. Well, going. it's it's kind of a running <laughs> joke because none the four of us have never been in one place together. The, I think uh, only three of us have ever met at one any one point, and I'm the only one who's met everybody. Um, and so Carl had his grand idea that we would all meet for the first time at the Dubai Air Show in 2013, of course, because you know how local Dubai is. Oh, um, yeah. But <laughs> Just one flight. Yeah, gives no, you all I... reason to go somewhere. So. <laughs> well, you know, Rick's, uh, Rick spent some time in Alaska. Oh, yeah. You didn't do any bush flying up there, but you've no, gone on vacation stuff. up there. Yeah, no, we have a, I, I worked with a guy who, uh, who works in Chicago. He's a weatherman who also has a place up there. And, and uh so, uh, you know, we were up there and, and did some flying around and shooting some stories. And then I went back and proposed to my wife on a glacier. So Aww. I, so Alaska is a cool place. That's I like it a lot. And I, <laughs> I would like to, uh, I'd like to get back up there. So maybe that's a, maybe that's a good idea. That is, that's you guys keep idea. joking about how cold it is up here, but it's 72 degrees in my house, the water and fire, and I got <laughs> cold beer sitting outside in the snow. So yeah, there Not you go. Buying it. Oh my God. We got to go Not there, guys. buying it. Not buying it, huh? Yeah. This I from, right now have a blanket around me. <laughs> what's so cool about Alaska, though, is it's it's so huge. I've been there a couple of times, and I've been nowhere near where you are right now, John. You know what I mean? Just I, there's so much more to see. So I need to. Oh, it's there. huge. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. Don't be fooled if you go to Alaska, rent a car, and open a state map and start driving. <laughs> yeah, it's you may be there a while. Yes, one inch does not equal one inch. Uh uh-uh. uh No. No. Uh, Victoria, you said you actually, you just, uh, you said you had one more question. question. Um, Go girl. John, I was wondering what is the best piece of aviation advice you have ever received and have ever given? Best piece of aviation advice received. That's a tough one. Um, I mean, is that pertaining to flying anything flight? is there anything like, that's ever stuck with you i can't like, don't think crash anything. you know <laughs> yeah that's probably the best one i, w- I was me. gonna jump that's in what my captain told me don't kill me yeah. it's your controls i was gonna make a joke and say as a cfi given advice would be right rudder <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah i've gotten that a lot <laughs> yeah i don't know if uh I, I can't really think of anything right now give me a minute as we're going way. through it, I'll, I'll step in and I'll say, I got it. <laughs> I'm like Barbara Walters. I asked the hard question. <laughs> yeah. And there it is. There it is. The final one. The final stumper. What will we do? Hmm. 
No, actually, uh, you were talking about your, your warm fireplace. This all from the girl who fell asleep next to hers on our last recording. We even have... Uh, we, we have real... Uh, came unplugged. Oh, I, I listened. I previewed the show, and I heard. I actually heard uh, chirping crickets. So oh, sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. You speak. I'm sorry, Victoria. I had to add Victoria. this. <laughs> Did you hear? It's boring listening to you speak. Uh, oh, great. Wonderful. Okay. I don't sound like that. Yeah, well, sometimes you do. Kids, kids. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, John's thinking I'm bickering, and uh, so we'll close out the show here. Uh, John, I don't know if you have any, or if you wish to, uh, you know, we've we've got our own uh, either websites or Twitter or Facebook or something that we use uh, for public contact with our listeners. I'm not sure if you have any any contact methods that you use publicly for fans or listeners or other, you know, outreach that you'd like to disclose on the air for folks who might have further questions or just want to get in touch with you. Well, it's I, okay I actually, if you don't. I actually fought it for a long time. Uh, for a couple of years, I fought it. And then Luke Hickerson finally sat me down and built a Facebook for me. So you can find me on there. Uh, I, I check it maybe once a month, once every couple months. If Luke is there twisting my arm to check it. But, <laughs> uh, I'll, if you message me, I'll get back to you. It might not be right away, but um, I, I hardly ever look at it. But cool. go ahead and try it. Okay. I, right. won't, I won't say no. But, cool. um, and, and Victoria, yeah. getting back to your question, piece of advice oh, did that you, I can did give. Did you figure it out? <laughs> well, I, I couldn't think of anything I ever received. Um, I'm sure I'll, I'll think of it after my third beer, after we shut this down. But <laughs> I think it, it just goes back to what I was saying earlier about the one guy's question. How do you how do you go for two dream careers? It's just show up and do it. I think. I mean, that's that's worked for me. So got me up to Alaska, and and uh, don't be afraid to to talk to people. You know, if you get nervous or if you're you think, God, oh, I, I don't know if I could go talk to that guy. He's, he's real uh, a boss or something who makes you nervous. Just take all that nervous energy and somehow convert it into confidence and, and go get that job that you want or go get the girl you want or whatever it is you want. Just go and get it. Don't then know be able if you to don't try. Exactly. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Mm, there cool. you go. I like that. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Excellent. Well, John, uh, we we certainly appreciate your uh, chance encounter with Carl in the Newark airport, which uh, put us in contact with you and, and having the opportunity to sit down and talk to you, not just about the show, but, you know, about John Ponce, the pilot, the man, the skateboarder, the boyfriend, the homeowner, the dog uh, owner, all that good stuff. <laughs> really oh, appreciate What kind of dog? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, she's a she's a border collie. Came off my oh. cousin's sheep farm. Nice. <laughs> You are running full circle. There it is. The sheep farm again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And Len, it's funny. You never know who you run into in a Jersey bathroom. Yeah. (laughs) And now it's. That was embarrassing. (laughs) Stocking, stocking our friends in the toilet. You sick, sick man. (laughs) Dude, uh, I I so thought it was someone I flew with. When I said hi to you, I thought it was. was, And I looked at your bars and I noticed your bars were different color. And I'm like, wait a minute. I never flown with this guy. And of course, I'm. Did that guy get a new job? (laughs) What's that? I said, oh, oh, wait, did that guy get a new job or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah I was like, exactly. I was going to ask you, how do you like, you know, flying for who is it again? 
But uh, yeah, that was kind of embarrassing. I, I rolled with it, though. If you notice, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, John. Yeah, I know who you are. <laughs> yeah, it's all good, man. It comes with the territory. I'm used to it. Doesn't no big deal. Where, where were you going that day? What were you doing in Newark Airport? You're in Alaska flying. Why are you in Newark in your uniform, by the way, I guess for the listeners? Yeah, yeah. No, it's funny because, you know, we don't wear uniforms when we work, but um, I actually just got off the FedEx plane, which had a bed. So I came out of the bunk and uh, I was catching a flight to Frankfurt, going to Germany to go hang out with uh, my girlfriend and a couple of her friends out there. Ah, cool. So yeah. cool. So it was a fun trip then. Yeah. That's awesome. See, so the, there's a perfect reason for anybody to get into aviation because that's one of the benefits. That's right. Yes. Jump seating. <laughs> Traveling around the world for all kinds of strange adventures with fun people. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm glad I glad I bumped into you though. That was, that was yeah, awesome. Yeah. No, that was good. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, yes. Yeah, so as a as I was saying, that is that is quite funny as a matter of fact. But we yeah we really appreciate having you on today and getting to, getting to know you and getting to spend some time uh, hearing about what it was like uh, with the show and everything else. And and from myself, uh, Len, Carl, Victoria, and Rick, we all thank you for coming on the show today. Um, Victoria, tell the folks how they can get in touch with you, your contact information. Uh, you can all find me at victoriaflies.blogspot.com. Uh, Rick. Uh, Rfelty on Twitter, rdfelty on YouTube, and rotationspeed.com. Carl. Well, the best way to find me is at my blog, expertaviator.com, or at my uh, podcast, aviationcareerspodcast.com. That's right. And I'm on Twitter at Len Costa, also at Stuck Mike Avcast. We're on Facebook and uh, the website stuckmikeavcast.com. Check us out over there. We've got that new voicemail feature where you can submit feedback questions right on the website. Don't have to call us. You can do it right there. And a team of robots automatically will send them That's, to us. They will send. Yes, they are busy. Uh, and as some of you may have learned in the last show, it is the reason I have no hair left is those robots took a lot of time to build. Uh, Car or excuse me, Rick is sending me a soldering iron for Christmas because yes. I broke my other one. Um, but yeah, check us out there. You can leave us some feedback. So again, from myself, Len Costa, Carl Valeri, Victoria Zyko, Rick Felty, and our special guest today, John Ponce from Flying Wild Alaska. We thank you all for tuning in to episode number 40 of the Stuck Mike Avcast, and we wish you guys all clear skies and calm winds. Take care, everybody. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Abcast is an aviation podcast brought to you by thepilotreport.com, a Len Costa production.